Hey, it's me. I'll be gone a few days, and you know, I think it'll be good for me. Stanley Black was no saint, but who amongst us is? It's a lot different around here now. All the mines are dried up. A lot of people hurting. Must be Stan's other boy, yeah? You never thought he'd have the guts to do it. 20 years too late. He's not the first to take his own life in recent times. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pekovic, and this is episode number 255. Releasing in Australian cinemas on the 17th of October is Locusts a crime thriller that tells the story of a prodigal son who returns to his Broken Hill home for the funeral of his estranged father, only to find himself ensnared in a blackmail plot involving his wayward brother. A gritty, thrilling and entertaining watch, Locus also proves to be one of the better Aussie crime flicks to be released in some time. And I'm glad to say joining me today is the film's writer and producer, Angus Watts. Angus, thank you very much for joining me on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. Yeah, Matthew, thanks for having me on. Um, that was a nice intro. Uh, Return of the Prodigal Son, I like that. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it's great to chat, and um, I think that sums sums up the direction we're going pretty well. Well, I want to talk about, before we delve into the film, just about yourself and your transition from, I mean, your day job is pretty, as, as a specialist radiologist by trade up where you are in the Gold Coast. Now you're writing and producing feature films. I'm just really curious about that transition, when was the transition made to kind of venture out into new territory? Yeah, it's um, a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it, uh, between uh, my day job as radiology. I'm a full-time practising uh, radiologist. And I've got my own interest there. I do disclose legal radiology and interventional radiology. I've been doing that for quite a long time, uh, probably 15 years plus. Uh, and, uh, but filmmaking is my lifelong passion. I've always been... Uh, fascinated by film. I've always been a creative writer ever since I was about seven years old. I've always loved the process of creative writing and um, uh, I grew up in the outback uh, in a little town called Corindai and I, I think I was sort of influenced in a way by uh, my old man used to take us to the drive-in on Friday night sometimes we'd go to this little sort of remote drive-in on the outskirts of Tamworth and that was basically just a gaudy old poster board in, in the middle of a, a field more or less and um, and, you know, we, we didn't even know what was on. There was no internet. There was not really, not really any way of knowing what was on. So when I was sort of, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years old, we'd just wander down to the driver on a Friday night and just see whatever was playing. It'd be things like Jaws or Deliverance and, you know, some of the greatest films ever made, in my opinion. So that, that's kind of where I, I my main sort of influence uh, sprung from. And, uh, and I guess it's been a lifelong sort of fascination for me, you know, genre film and, the exploitation films uh, of the seventies and eighties were, were very fascinating to me, and um, and it really took me. Uh, I'm, I'm a late starter. Um, I, I'm pushing fifty now. I'm uh, afraid to admit, but but uh, I, um, you know, it took me about thirty years to really pick up the pen and sort of write my first screenplay uh, beyond there. But um, so I started screenwriting about five years ago, and I'm a self-taught screenwriter. Uh, I spent about a year. Uh, really coaching myself uh, in the dark art of screenwriting um, and uh, and sort of went through, as all screenwriters do, went through a, a period of, um, uh, you know, self-torture and, uh, you know, a lot of angst uh, is the journey of the screenwriter. Uh, self-analysis and a bit of external uh, harsh criticism and lots of rejection and, 
and all that sort of stuff. So I, I played that game for uh, quite a few years, and, and I wrote a few screenplays. Um, uh, Locust is my third screenplay, and um, I won a few awards for my first screenplay, which was a little crime drama. Uh, my second was a serial killer screenplay, which is kind of a, uh, a bit of a speculator as a bigger budget uh, production, and um, uh, and then Locusts, and then I've got another project in development, which is a smaller uh, crime drama entitled Provisionally Jackals, uh, which is kind of like a black comedy. Uh, it's a small thing that you know maybe maybe I could direct one day. It's kind of my uh, my wish, but but I was sort of fortunate to um, in my journey with Locusts, which I sort of spent you know, about four or five years working on now. Um, I, you know, coming out the tail end, I was lucky enough to do basically a bundle uh, of uh, this film with my two other projects, uh, The Blacksmith and Jackals, together with a, a French film uh, sales agency. So uh, they're, they're quite excited about uh, the second one, The Blacksmith, which is a, a bigger budget thing. So that, that's a, you know, it's a conversation for another day, but... But, uh, yeah, I'm sort of excited down uh, in the background about where that, that might go. Um, but obviously at the moment, uh, my time and energy is uh, really soaked up with Locusts, uh, uh, which has, you know, come a long way. Um, and uh, uh, it's been a very much a rollercoaster journey for me and, um, uh, and an exciting one. So, yeah. Well, I mean, Locusts has come a long way. You've been working on it for years. It is very much your passion, passion project. You wrote it, you produce it. You had hand in casting, you have hand in editing as well. I'm really curious though, yeah. when it comes to developing that story, the origins of that story, when you talked before about the movies that you watched when you were a kid at a drive through with your father, is this film yeah. in some type of way a tribute to those type of films? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, it's something that um, I, I think uh, when we're making the film is something that we we're conscious of and we set out to make uh, the film as a modern noir western and uh, really what we wanted to do is pay some sort of subliminal uh, well, underhanded homage to some of those great films in the 70s and 80s because Heath and I, uh, you know, Heath was obviously a director, Heath Davis, and a uh, very talented guy and so Heath and I sort of collaborated for a few years uh, on the film uh, to develop it to the screen uh, and uh so, yeah, we, we share a common passion for, you know, the genre space. Um, I think my taste is a little darker than his, and his, his taste is a little more comedy-driven. But it's nice because, you know, we sort of found common ground, and there's, I think comedy is something that's under, you know, is underdone in a lot of Australian films. I think comedy is important. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a nice medium to... to uh, uh, have a crime thriller with some little light comedic elements, perhaps just to lighten it up a little bit, and some throwbacks, a little bit of homage to some of those uh, sort of classic exploitation thing uh, films of the seventies and eighties, um, which we thought was a nice little kind of uh, hat tip, perhaps. The title of the film is really interesting. The uh, film is set, even though shot in broken. Um in um, uh, excuse me, um, Broken Hill. Yeah. Broken Hill. Um, the title, the 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 location is fictional. It's a place called Serenity Crossing, and it's yeah. really interesting because it's a place that is poisoned in in a sort of way. You have uh, it's a mining town that's closed down. Something happens there. Then you have on the other end um, drug dealers as well that are poisoning the, the townspeople as well. Um, yeah. you, you yourself 
you grew up in a small rural town in New South Wales during the 70s, like you said before. After that, you lived in Queensland, and there you really saw the, the economic impacts of both positive and negative that a mining yeah. boom can have on a town. Yeah. When did that Absolutely. start to kind of filter into this crime story that you were writing? Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. You know, my my, uh, my day job as a radiologist, uh, you know, we, we, we have a private radiology business and we're sort of uh, mostly in Queensland. We have a, a presence in um, in uh, far north Queensland and central Queensland. And so, yeah, just for our dealings over, you know, the last couple of decades, we've seen the mining boom really come from nothing to becoming the huge boom that it was in the late 2000s, you know, and uh, uh, when everything was cranking pre-GFC, and then obviously the GFC came along and then subsequently the mining boom sort of decayed. And so we, we saw firsthand really uh, the, the um, some of those communities really go from being very quiet um, communities to just being gangbusters commercially, lots of jobs, lots of people, fly in, fly out, lots of workers, um, you know, very much uh, the height of the mining boom. And then the boom dried up uh, for a while, and obviously there's a lot of mining activity now, but... But we saw the, a very relatively abrupt uh, transition from this boom period uh, in North Queensland to a, a much more uh, sedate period. So, you know, firsthand, we, we were sharing, at one point, we were sharing flights, uh, going to our radiology practice, we were sharing flights with miners wearing, wearing vests, and as they do, and, and, uh, and uh, booking extra flights for the miners. And, and now, of course, we're beyond that point, uh, you know, that all pretty much settled back into the background all the fly and fly out workers were gone and the money dried up at least for time and so on so this story is kind of an extrapolation of that idea of the the, the boom bust impact of the mining boom really on small communities and this this story is about a small fictional town uh, a tiny town in the middle of nowhere that the mining boom's come and there's been jobs for everyone and lots of money and then and then the mines have dried up and everyone's left and now there's all that's left is uh, unemployment and drugs and desperation in the uh, in, in those left behind. Uh, so it's kind of the story is kind of extrapolation of reality, and it's kind of just a, I guess, a creative vision that I had. But uh, and there's some other themes in there, like fracking is a is a, a subject that we touch on in the film, and and uh, so yeah, there's a little there's a few environmental elements in there as well. You mentioned the name before, Heath Davis. Uh, he's a director of Locust. He's quickly becoming one of my favourite Aussie directors. I had him on the podcast last year to talk about Book Week. Um, I'm, just, I'm just really curious, how does um, a radiologist from Gold Coast in Queensland get in touch with a filmmaker from the Blue Mountains here in New South Wales? <laughs> the world is shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, look, uh, I, I guess we kind of... Uh, converged, our, our pathways converged, and that was that he had done a film called Broke uh, in 2016, which was a great film. Uh, I love Broke, and uh, it did quite well. He was doing the, the festival circuit. And at that point, I'd written a couple of screenplays, and I was at a point where I was thinking, I, I, I really want to progress things, particularly with Locusts. Uh, and I went to the Gold Coast Film Festival, and uh, he was doing the, the talk circuit uh with broke uh so i had a chat with him we we got together and had some beers uh and and i had seen broke and i was pretty impressed by it 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 was uh obviously a a small production in many ways uh but visually uh and aesthetically uh it looked to me like a million dollar film and it was well short of that but but 
you know that that impressed me, and, and his uh, his uh, his vision, uh, his, his vision as a filmmaker uh, impressed me, and also his approach to filmmaking, and you know he, he done the hard yards as a filmmaker, and I, I thought that was that was interesting to me. So we started a conversation about um, about his filmmaking journey, and then you know conversely my own journey as a writer and someone who is pretty highly motivated to to uh, get this film done. And uh, and he was into it, and we, we talked about it, and we talked about the concept of making a, a modern Western, uh, and we sort of connected over our common love for genre films. And uh, uh, and, and so we began uh, a process and a conversation, I guess, that, that went on for a couple of years and uh, developing that, uh, that concept. And, um, uh, and I, I spent a lot of that period doing other activities like uh, location scouting and I spent a lot of time looking around Australia for uh, locations. I, I'm a very visual person and I, I had the vision for this story was very clear in my mind. The film was just playing in my head. I guess every screenwriter must have that. The film just plays in your head uh, day and night, non-stop, <laughs> ad nauseum. But, but, you know, I knew exactly what it was going to look like and so I, I went to... Uh, different places. I went to Winton and Cooper P uh, and obviously Broken Hill, uh, just scouting and and uh, talking to people and and uh, looking at everything from landscapes to you know house locations and vehicles and things like that. And uh, in the end, um, we decided on Broken Hill, and that was really for logistical reasons because uh, uh, you know because there's a domestic airport and, and you know you can fly in, fly out of, of uh, uh, Sydney and Adelaide, which is quite nice. But with a, you know, a medium-sized film crew, in the end, we probably had a plus a hundred cast and crew uh, on on Locust. So this is a much bigger production uh, than Book Week, uh, which was his previous film, uh, which I I was actually an executive producer on. Um, and so it was a big step up for him in terms of size and scale and cast and budget and and, uh, and, you know, locations and, and uh, many different ways. But that was good, you know, like a, you need to challenge yourself in life. And I think everybody uh, was challenged in different ways on this film. Uh, and, and that was kind of, you know, that was kind of part of the, uh, for me, part of the satisfaction of making this film was to uh, get not only experienced heads, uh, and we had many experienced cast members and, people behind the scenes like Rick Beecroft who was the AD, first AD on Wolf Creek and Tiare Tomaszewski who was our line producer, producer who's, you know, she's worked on everything from Hacksaw Ridge to the Reef and many larger projects. So we had some experienced heads and, you know, many of the cast members like Steve Lamarquand and Justin Rosniak and, and so on had done, you know, more films than you can count but we also had uh, people who were coming into their own and getting runs on the board, getting experience. And to me, that's that's exciting. It's exciting to have, uh, you know, rising talent and give them the opportunity to get in there and, and uh, give it a shot and give it their best shot. And, you know, we had a young art department uh, led by Carlo Crescini, who uh, is a young bloke from Sydney and he's extremely talented. Uh, he worked on Little Monsters and a few other things, but he was excited. This is probably, I think, perhaps the biggest project he'd done uh, and he had a, a fun young team, you know, all keen to get their hands in, hands dirty and get stuck in there in the middle of the desert uh, digging holes, all that sort of stuff that art crews do and um, uh, so yeah, look across the board 
there was a mix of sort of a nice balance of experience and, and youth and uh, exuberance, I guess. You have a great cast in this movie. Um, I want to touch on particularly uh, your lead players, uh, Ben Gurens and Jessica McNamee. Um, both yeah. of these actors, they work primarily in Los Angeles now, and there's no doubt the strength of your screenplay brought them back uh, Australia, 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 to Australia to, to work on your movie. Um, the process of getting them, getting in touch with them, and getting your screenplay in their hands, what was that like? And just to follow up on that as well, when it comes to working on an independent film like this, how important is it to get names like that on your film in regards to securing distribution, for example, or even a bigger budget than what would, what would initially be in the uh, uh, first stages of putting your film together? Yeah, look, that's um, uh, it's a good few questions. I might start by asking the last one of the, by answering the last one of those questions, and you know, really, that's the the, the twenty million dollar question. You know, how important is it? as an independent film or any film to have a name attached to it. And that uh, really is, is very, very important as far as the distributors go. Um, and, uh, you know, we, <laughs> I took, I've taken this film around the world. I took it to, to the Khan master film and, and, uh, sort of, you know, talked to every, every major distributor. And, um, and of course the first question is, who's your big star? And, mm-hmm. uh, where's, Lee? he's not on this or where's Johnny Depp, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they all want, the big name because they can sell it easily. And that's kind of the, unfortunately, the nature of the business because um, I I guess from a sales point of view, it's very much a a fast visual sort of thing. But but as a creative, independent filmmaker, uh, it was more, from our point of view, it was more about having the independence to do things the way you wanted to do it and cast with the people, the right people, uh, in the right roles, rather than just, you know, person up front because they've got a particular name that can bring a particular budget. So, so yeah, so to answer the last question is very important to get a name. Uh, did we have a massive name? Not really. Um, uh, did I care? Not really. Um, we, we wanted to, we always wanted to do this film uh, independently. And, um, yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, look, in terms of the actual distribution and, and distribution and sales, uh, you know, it's all about the big star, the big name star. But it, but as independent filmmakers, you know, we, we're quite um, ferociously independent. The way that uh, we the, so and so, and just to answer your other questions, you know, Ben and, and Jessica, um, uh, both very talented uh, actors and, and doing some great stuff in LA. They're both uh, working and living in LA. Uh, Ben's really underrated and I, I, I'd like to see Ben go on to do some uh, much bigger projects. Uh, he's a very passionate guy, uh, incredibly committed and talented uh, guy. This was a difficult shoot. Uh, we did a 28-day shoot and he was on set pretty much every day and, uh, you know, we were shooting some long days, 12-hour days and um, and it was difficult. We, we shot in the middle of winter. Uh, often it was kind of minus four degrees at night and and, uh, you know, everyone was sort of rugged up with beanies and uh, fur and woolen jackets. But, but uh, you know, he obviously was on set just doing his thing. And, and, uh, uh, and I don't think I ever heard him complain. So, you know, he, he really is a passionate guy and was very committed to doing this film. Uh, and very, um, you know, I think he was really into the character, this kind of 
Jimmy Stewart type character, sort of a stranger in a strange land. Uh, so yeah, Ben Ben was very uh, he did a wonderful job and and uh, he's doing some great stuff in the US. Uh, Jessica, yeah, Jessica's a great talent and she um, is doing Mortal Kombat, I think, next year, the new Mortal Kombat film. Uh, she did The Meg a couple of years ago uh, with Jason Statham. So she's got a few credits, but yeah, that's right. I mean, th- those guys sort of made the decision to come out and, and make a, an independent film in the middle of uh, in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And um, and so, yeah, it was, it was wonderful to have them attached. Um, it was difficult... Uh, casting the lead uh because i guess we were unknown so we we spent a lot of time uh trying to cast that lead role and particularly with the right person uh, uh we had a lot of uh, a lot of people came on board uh, uh early andy mcphee read the script once and came back i think the next day basically and said i'm in um and uh, we had a lot of uh you know quite experienced cast members uh supporting cast members come on pretty early but casting the lead was difficult, but, but Ben, you know, he was fantastic and he was 100% the right, uh, uh, he was 100% perfect for that role. So, yeah. I absolutely love the casting decisions made in regards to the villains uh, in your movie. Um, Steve Le, <laughs> Steve McQuad, uh, Alan, the great Alan yeah. Dukes, uh, um, who else is there? Justin Rosniak's in there, the late, great Damien Hill as well in his last performance on yeah. screen. Um, getting yeah. all these guys together to play kind of like your really kind of uh, your grotty, violent, unpredictable villains. I mean, that must have been a blast to have all those guys in the one group together uh, playing these yeah. uh, really despicable characters. I think those guys enjoyed it more than anybody else, you know, because... Uh, uh, you know, some of those guys had never played a bad guy before, particularly guys like Alan Dukes, who is, you know, he's sort of a central bad guy in this film, and and uh, and he's fantastic. He, he's an amazing talent. Uh, he starred in Book Week um, yes. before Locust, and and I met Alan on the set of Book Week, and and I, I knew straight away. I was like, I know exactly the role for you, um, and, uh, and and he's got a theatrical. He, he's a stage actor, and. Uh, you know, he's classically trained and, and uh, I guess perhaps he comes from a slightly different background. And um, uh, anyway, he, he brought everything to the film and and, uh, and a lot of his own creativity and uh, wonderful talent. Uh, yeah, that's right. Of course, Damien Hill, uh, unfortunately, uh, very tragically, it was his final role. Um, Damien lost his life a couple of months after the film and it was very upsetting for all of us uh, on the film. And... Um, and I personally got to be quite good friends with Damien on the film set. We would sit down at Broken Hill and talk about our sort of each of our own journeys as independent filmmakers, you know, because he was not only a, a great actor but a writer and a producer. And uh, yep. uh, and and so yeah, look, uh, yeah, it is very sad for all of us. Uh, but but from from his point of view, I think he was you know excited to do something different. He'd never played a bad guy on screen before, so I think. Um, I think he was quite excited for that opportunity to do something a little bit different. Um, and, of course, yeah, as you say, Steve Lamarquand, uh, uh, who's played, I guess, just about every kind of role you can think of. Think of uh, great great talent and an incredibly funny guy, Steve. Uh, Justin Rosniak, um, of course, he's been around forever. And um, uh, he said to me, you don't, you don't cast Justin Rosniak, you unleash him. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So that was kind of appropriate for a bad guy role for him. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, that's right. So we basically had these sort of four or five guys. And there's a young guy, Ryan Morgan, who uh, plays one of the bad guys as well. And he's got a key sort of pivotal role. And, and that's his first uh, feature role. And um, uh, I spent a bit of time casting that role and looking around. Uh, and, and Ryan is just an amazing talent. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll see more of him as well. Uh, it was great having him on board. But, yeah, so it was, it was a big cast. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of opinions Uh uh, you know, in production, but that's okay. That was good, and it's good to to, to have all all that. Um, I guess uh, all those opinions and attitudes, and and uh, uh, everyone's got a voice on the film. It was it was always important uh, in a character driven genre film for everybody to have a voice, and everyone knew that when they turned up, and uh, and they sort of embraced it. So hopefully, you can see that on screen. We talked before about Broken Hill about how you found it to be a perfect place logistically wise and I think I, I like to think that also yourself as a big movie fan you're working uh, you're on your first film on the, at the place where Mad Max Waking Fright Razorback all these hallowed Australian productions were yeah. made at that place you're walking on that ground and you're making your movie as well I'm sure that must have been just a, a great experience for you yeah it's kind of hallowed ground um, it, it was very surreal, really, you know. And, and uh, you know, as I mentioned, Heath and myself are both big fans of all that stuff, uh, all the all those films you mentioned, all the classic Aussie uh, films of the seventies and eighties. And and when you're at Broken Hill, it's kind of like a like a museum of cinematic history. You know, everywhere you go, there's stuff from Priscilla or Mad Max or Razorback, and and literally everywhere you go, you just be talking to a, a random guy in the pub and. You know, talking about filmmaking, or so. Yeah, I was an extra in Wake and Fight. I sat at the bar over there, or you know, I worked. I worked on a a lorry on Razorback, or I was in the art department on Mad Max Two, or whatever. Like everybody's, everybody's been involved in the film and in industry in some capacity, which is which is great because obviously as a film crew, you know, you, you want all the help you can get, uh, and and there's plenty of support there in town for it. Uh, for us as a production team. Uh, there's a guy called Jason King, who I'd love to mention that he uh, runs Screen Broken Hill and he's, he's basically the town uh, film liaison go-to man and and, uh, and and a director and a writer in his own right, a very talented guy. And so he was integral to the production and him and I are good friends and hopefully we'll collaborate on something in the future. But, uh, but, but you know, every production that turns up in Broken Hill, you know, he's the go-to man and, and he... Broken Hill is a unique sort of microcosm. Uh, the, the land around town is all owned by station owners, and uh, so like you really need to to get permission from the station owners to use their land, etc. Um, of course, and so and Jason knows them all. So of course, as a filmmaker, you know Jason's the go-to man, and and uh, and so we're very much relying on his 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 local knowledge um, to get things done in town and. Um, and he, he was very much a, a key part of our production. So five years working on this movie, um, it's out in a couple of weeks. You mentioned before you have other films in the pipeline. You talked about The Blacksmith and The Legacy. You touched on those movies. Now that you've had your experience, you've had your hands dirty, you've got your feet wet, what do you take from working on Locust to your next production? And also... Just talking to you and hearing your enthusiasm about film and how you approach film in a visual aspect as well as a writer's aspect, is there any thoughts about yeah. directing maybe as well in the future? 
Yeah, look, I have to say um, directing is probably the next step for me, I think. Um, I have sort of been intimately involved in every area of uh, the process on this film, um, uh, from writing, you know, right through to production, and, and I supervise post-production. I work very closely on that edit with Scott Gray, who's sort of the unsung uh, hero behind the scenes on this film. So Scott Gray, he's, you know, he's been nominated for a couple of actor awards for his editing uh, skills and incredibly, incredibly talented guy. And um, and it was really a privilege having him on the film and uh, uh, alongside Romain Mongan, who's our, our sort of anchor editor. But, but Scott was sort of our uh, senior editor uh, and, and I worked very closely with Scott really to refine uh, the film and... and uh, so as a as a writer, uh, working in the edit with Scott was really a, probably the most valuable experience I took away from the whole process uh, because I guess perhaps not many people get to go through the writing process and the editing process, and, and they're very very closely tied together. Um, and uh, and so I think my writing, I mean, writing is what is my first and foremost interest. So I think my writing is probably benefited um, uh, from really being involved in the edit. It's uh, really a very key part of the whole process. So, um, yeah, so what's next for me? I, I think I'll probably write and direct something next, uh, if my wife will let me. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here looking at me going, you're crazy, which is probably really true. But, um, yeah, look, uh, directing is, is, is uh, probably the next um, challenge for me. But my philosophy in life is that... Um, but uh, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Um, so, um, you know, it's uh, just another step on the road. But, but this time it'll be different um, uh, for me because, uh, uh, you know, Locus is very much, uh, you know, a five-year process in many ways, a one-man band, um, uh, you know, outside the production sphere, uh, getting it up and getting it out there and whatever. But, but you know, I was obviously next time it, it would be different so uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to uh, to trying my uh, hand at direction I think uh, it would be a fun experience so for everyone out there listening Locus 17th of October in Australian cinemas um, you can check out uh, locusfilm.com and also there's a great Facebook page for Locus Film as well for all information um, Angus Watts I thank you very much for joining me today and also congratulations with the movie as well I've seen the movie I love the movie um, like I said in my intro it's one of the better Aussie crime movies I've seen in some time and I've seen quite a bit of them over the last year so um, I'm going to say congratulations to you again and hopefully we can talk again in the future when it comes to your other projects as well yeah cool Matthew thanks very much for having me on and uh, great chatting much appreciated